0: and habits, if they're negative, become addiction. Mm -hmm. And that addiction becomes slavery to the devil. And where does it all begin? It begins with feelings that are unchecked, that lead to thoughts, thoughts repeated, belief, belief professed, action, habit, addiction. And so the devil, he wants to bypass our reason and he wants to work in our imagination.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for joining us in another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are so blessed that you have decided to join us. We are your hosts, Sam Guzman, Devin Schott, and myself, John Heinen. Again, thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be discussing how to discern the voice of Satan or the voice of devil in your life, because it's there, it's active, and it wants your soul. So we need to be aware of it. Um, we also get to answer a question from a listener about feeling inadequate around other men. Such a great question. I look forward to dialoguing about that. You can enjoy the full extended version of this episode and support The Catholic Gentleman if you head over to Catholic Gentleman Plus. This month, we're coming out with a session on outward appearance, and I just did a phenomenal talk with a uh, Jared Stout, uh, incredible on outward appearance. And then next month, we're talking about spiritual warfare. And so very apropos to this conversation that we're going to dive into here today. So if this is your first time, please hit that subscribe button. If you have followed us frequently, if you're listening to us on podcast players, please give us that five star there on Apple or Spotify so that this can reach more men. Again, so grateful uh, for your time. So uh, Sam, Devin, how are you guys doing today on the feast of St. Anthony uh, the Great at the time of this recording?
2: I'm doing great. It's good to be here. Uh, it's unseasonably cold here in Oklahoma. Um, so I'm trying, I'm being tempted by the devil to run away from the cold,
1: but, but I'm manning up and facing it. Hey uh, yeah. man, Devin, how are you doing? Same here. Yeah, we, over a course of like three days,
0: we got 26 inches of snow and Oof. now it's like with wind chill, it's 30, 35, 40 degrees below. So yeah.
1: You're feeling it. Yeah. Down to my bones. Down to your bones. Yeah. Well, here in Dallas Fort Worth, we got a quarter inch of snow on Whoa. Sunday night. Yeah. And it halted everything. Not only did we have uh, <laughs> You guys mother, are wimps. Yeah. I know. I did. It stopped everything for two days. It was <laughs> oh, school. Was my closed. Goodness. A school quarter was closed. inch of snow. Oh <laughs> my know. gosh. I know, right? We're very, we're very delicate. As much as Texans, you know, are uh don't mess with Texas unless you're snow. Um oh, and, man. Uh, And then we lose it. Uh, So (laughs) anyways. um, Well, cool. I'm excited about talking about this with you men here today. And so listeners, why is this an important topic? Well, we know in scripture, be sober and watch because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he may devour. And if that's the case, which we believe it is, wouldn't it be great if we knew when he was talking to us? Now, I want to just get some clarifying points here. I know that there are the seven forms of diabolical influence in our lives, and we're not going to go through all those. None of us are exorcists. None of us have been, I hopefully, um, you know, uh, deeply involved in exorcisms. um, But... uh, Today, we're going to talk about temptations. Today, we're going to talk about that beginning level of diabolical influence, which is the most common and the one that um, all men of virtue and all men striving for holiness experience. And I wanted to talk about that too, because I think it's really important. Men, did you know that if you're striving for holiness and virtue, you've got a target on your back? It is a direct target mm-hmm. du- you know, aimed at you by Satan and his demons who have a... Just a malicious intent of everything they do, and they wage a perpetual war on us. And I wanted to start by reading from the Catechism of the Council of Trent on this exact matter, specifically about why it seems some of us suffer from these temptations and these struggles when others do not. And so the Council of Trent states, There are many who, because they do not feel the assaults of demons against them, imagine that the whole matter is fictitious." Nor is it surprising that such persons persons are not attacked by demons, to whom they have voluntarily surrendered themselves. They possess neither piety nor charity nor any virtue worthy of a Christian. Hence, they are entirely in the power of the devil, and there is no need of any temptation to overcome them, since their souls have already become his willing abode. And now, that is an intense statement, and I don't bring it up to judge other people, but to note that when you are striving for this, that is when Satan and his demons are going to be on the lookout and doubling down their strategies and doubling down their efforts to to attack you and to um, bring you down. And we do know some of these strategies through Thomas Aquinas, through Augustine, through the church and her teachings and scripture. We know some of these strategies. And so we want to bring up those strategies today so that you can help better discern your life um, as you are trying to do the will of God and trying to fight the good fight. And so I wanted to start real quick with you, Devin, and just ask why, in addition to what I just stated, is this so important to be talked about today?
0: Many reasons, but I think that, well, let's, let's use an analogy. Um, either one of you have watched Born Identity or read the novels. I have. Okay. Yeah, so it opens up with good old JB, Jason Bourne floating unconscious in the Mediterranean Sea with two gunshot wounds in his back. And mm-hmm. these Italian fishermen fish him out of the sea. And when he recovers, he realizes he's suffering from memory loss, severe memory loss. And then he undergoes a series of assassination attempts and he doesn't understand why he's being hunted or who's hunting him because he's forgotten something so essential. He's forgotten his identity and his mission. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the starting point for understanding all of this is that we as sons of God, this is our identity. And do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God literally dwells in you and is wanting to get out, you know, is, is wanting mm-hmm. to be a manifestation or revelation of glory through you. And because of that, like you said, we have a target on our back. And so the devil wants to attack us in our sonship so that we cannot do what the son did. That is sacrifice ourselves confidently without doubting God for others, because mm-hmm. that's how the world's changed.
1: So I think that's kind of, for me, that's the platform or the foundational point. I think that's phenomenal. I really appreciate you mentioning that, that, mm-hmm. yeah, our our identity is at stake here. And uh, Satan, who understands our identity far greater than we do at times, mm-hmm. because – Frankly, the church Mm -hmm. hasn't taught it often. I know that when I have reflected on this, and actually I'm giving a talk um, tomorrow night, and I know you're giving a talk this weekend um, on identity. It's something that I never wrestled with until I was older and becoming a father, honestly, and then just kind of understanding what does this all mean and how is my role as a man or as a father uh, reflective of God the Father and Satan knew that from the beginning. He knew that when we um were first born and he's known that throughout his whole our whole life and he's working to fight against that. So I think that's so incredibly important to remember that our identity as men, that our identity as as um as those like unto Christ and those who can share in his glory and our sons of the father as well by the power of our baptism are, are, you know, the greatest victories for Satan to win over. So Sam, what are your thoughts regarding uh, you know, the importance of understanding this before we dive into tactics and all of those things?
2: Yeah, no, this is really important topic because yeah, I think that, that, uh, illustration of you know Jason Bourne is really important because I think one of the things we suffer from most strongly in the world today, but I think always, not just in the world today, but you read some of the great saints like this was a constant problem. but it yeah, it's that spiritual amnesia, if you will. Um, where not only are we forgetful that we are uh, that there are you know evil spirits and 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 the devils always trying to destroy us, we forget that. But we also just forget the spiritual world in general. It's so easy in this materialistic world to go to sleep. Um, And I think that's what that call is like, be watchful. It just means stay awake. Like Mm. just realize that the spiritual world exists and and let's face it, like in our workaday world, it's easy to forget when you're running errands, when you're putting gas in your car, like when you're getting groceries, like when you're paying bills, like when you're just attending to the the needs of daily life. Like we can get so, so much in just survival mode that we just forget this kind of drama that's unfolding all around us. Yes, on a different plane of being, but it is nonetheless just as real. And so I think that spiritual amnesia is really important. The other thing I want to highlight is I think there's a distinction to be made between temptation as testing and temptation as spiritual destruction. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, all of the saints say really unanimously that like no matter if you're living a life of virtue, that life of virtue is going to be tested. There are going to be forces that are going to say, OK, let's see how real this is. Mm. Let's put him to the test. And we see this of course, most especially in the book of Job, where there's this like this accuser, right that's like job's virtue is not real. Let's let's put him through the most agonizing trial we can ex- imagine and see how strong his faith is then. you know and I do think that there is a, a subtle but real difference between that kind of testing and like proving a virtue, if you will, proving um, uh, of the reality of our holiness and our faith. Uh, and also like these these diabolical temptations as well, that like, like just want to destroy us in one way or another, whether that's through spiritual pride or like an inverted form of that where we just hate ourselves, self-loathing, mm-hmm. or it's like something where it's just like, I don't care how it happens, I just want you to join me in hell. Like that's kind of, that's <laughs> kind of the mindset of that kind of testing or temptation. And, you know, I think it is, it is worth pointing out that there is a, a difference between that. And um, I also think it's important to acknowledge, like being tempted doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. I mean, even our Lord was, was tempted, right. Without sin. Like there's, there is like, just be. Because you feel like this something rising from your lower nature that wants to do something sinful, there's there is that consent of the will that like that's what where holiness lies, mm-hmm. and so I think it's really important before we go any further to acknowledge that just because you experience temptations in your life does not mean that you're a sin, you're just like this wicked sinful person. Like we said, like even Saint Anthony of the Desert, who is one of the greatest mm-hmm. of like the early church fathers. Like he was tempted constantly and like, you know, like it took him, you know, decades to get to the place where I don't know if he ever stopped being tempted, but like it has nothing to do with your holiness or your your uh, advancement on the spiritual journey. In fact, the further you go, the more those temptations may increase. Um, so just know that just because you're tempted doesn't mean that you're wicked. Um, in fact, it might actually mean
1: that you're growing in holiness and and that's a beautiful thing. Amen. And so I wanted to just uh, jump in here and talk about um I guess, along this line of temptations, let's just continue on this. And and Devin, I'd love for you to talk a little bit, because I know that, uh, you know, in your Meaning of Mystery, man, you go into this uh, quite a bit, that there is uh, the difference between that direct in, uh, temptation and kind of the indirect cause of, of that mm. temptation, right? There's mm. the fall of man, right? Because when I um, was thinking about temptation in general, I do think, right, there's that natural temptation of uh, the concupiscence, right, of our flesh, right? We are we are fallen men. We will we are prone to sin. We are prone to uh, by our fallen nature to choose selfishness. Uh, you know to want the comfort to um, be glad that everything is shut down on Tuesdays when there's a quarter inch of snow in Dallas forward. You know, <laughs> um, and uh, or to be annoyed that you still have to work even though there's a quarter inch. You know, uh, but all of these things is just natural to our, the very nature of a fallen man. But that's the indirect cause of Satan who 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 tricked um, Adam and Eve into that fall. But then there's also those direct temptations that are very actively going on against us now. So I know that I wanted to talk about temptations a little bit later, but Sam, you did such a great job bringing them up. I, I think we should continue forward uh, with this. Devin, what are your thoughts on, on kind of the nature of temptations and how it affects men? Oh,
0: absolutely. So St.
1: Augustine... Uh, or, you know, everybody loves
0: to quote St. Augustine, even when St. Augustine didn't quote it, you know, but (laughs) I, I, so, but I, I think he said this, he said that temptations are the means to salvation when we rise above them, because Mm -hmm. then we become triumphant in Christ. So as you said, Sam, temptations are an absolute necessary aspect of the spiritual life. And in fact, origin. I think we've said this before in his commentary on Deuteronomy or Exodus, the Exodus count. He said, if you're not being tempted, it's a sure sign that you're already in the clutches of the devil. You're dead. You're going to hell. So temptations are very important to the to spiritual life. Now, I just want to make a caveat here, especially with today's, you know, St. Anthony of the desert and all that. But I think it's important that We realize that God wills that we have the desert experience. God drove God into the desert. The Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the desert. Why? To be tested. Now, what was the test? And and this is very important. The test was not temptation. Okay, the test was to fast for 40 days and 40 nights and to prepare for his ministry and all that. That's what he was doing as far as his test to to prepare himself for that. But with every this is the canopy crisis in the Greek is the decision point. It's the judgment. Okay, and so whenever we have a crisis in our life, whenever we have a trial or a test or a tribulation or a struggle of any kind, that is the decision point. That is the judgment on us. Whether we will rise above the temptation amidst the test. So there's two parts of a crisis. There's a test, which is from God. Because why does God test us? To perfect us. Because he wants us. So you got a kid who, uh, you, you want to teach your son how to use a saw, a miter saw, so that that son isn't afraid of installing trim. And he isn't afraid of using the saw. But if you don't teach the kid how to use the saw through discipline and through hard work, he's not going to be afraid of installing trim. He's going to be afraid of using the saw. God wants to perfect us so we can use all the virtues and all that he gives us to be able to really be perfect. So there's the test, which is from God usually, but then along the lines, that's when the devil shows up, like with Jesus in desert, the temptation. And so that's the twofold aspect of the crisis, Okay. And so very important that we recognize this because James tells us God tempts no one. So I I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think that that sets the playing field as far as what is going on. We're gonna be tested all the time. And the devil loves to show up amidst the test to say, see, God doesn't love you. God doesn't choose you. God's ignoring you. He's not your father prove yourself, prove yourself, prove yourself, or just go suck on your thumb for a while, you know, and just give in to the world's comforts. So I think to me, that just kind of makes a lot of sense. I don't know, what do do you guys think?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Sam, did you want to say something? Sorry. Yeah, I was
0: just gonna add that. I think that's
2: an important point is that, yes, testing is an opportunity to level up by making the right choice. Like your will grows stronger every time you make the right choice. But it's also really useful in that fact that it reveals what's already within you. Um, it's not—it's not like like the devil can create anything that's not already there. He's just taking advantage of what's already that weakness of will that might already be there. But also, like there actually is something useful about this process, right? In in therapy, sometimes we talk about this idea of tormentors, tormentors. A mentor is someone who teaches you. Tor is uh, the root word for suffering. Um, and it's like someone who teaches you by activating what's already in you so that you can see where the work lies. Um, and, and of course, there's, there's different ways to respond to that. One is you can just become bitter, resentful, angry, hateful. Uh, or you can say, okay, now I see where the wounds are. Now I see that God is bringing to the surface things in my life that need to be addressed that otherwise were, would still be in there, but they were just Mm. underground. Um, but it's like these, these moments of testing, these moments, even of temptation, like they bring all of that to the surface and we see where we actually stand. Um, and so these, these moments can, these moments of suffering of, of trial temptation where, um, you know, either the the devil's like just calling us, like, come on, just give in, just give in, or you know, you feel like that God's led you out into the desert, and you're feeling alone, you're feeling abandoned, you're feeling, um, just just completely desolate. You know, these these moments can be opportunities, um, to take our wounds to our Lord and say, look, this is where I need to be healed. Like, maybe, yeah, like from. You know, for for men, obviously the the obvious one that comes to mind is like sexually, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like my sexual life is completely disordered. Lord, heal me. But like, it can be other things too. It can be, it can be bitterness. It can be resentment. It can be anger. Like that's just like ready to explode at any moment. And like, these can be beautiful rungs on the ladder of holiness. They can be like those tormentors that teach us through our suffering through our testing, through our trials um, and, you know, again, God's concerned about the health and maturity of our soul. He's not so concerned with our, our temporal comfort, right? So, like, just <laughs> yeah. if you can find that seed in every temptation or, or trial, there's a gift waiting for you if you embrace it. If you don't shrink back, if you don't run from it, kind of have that, that manly courage that our Lord displayed both in the desert, yes but also in the garden of gethsemane when like maybe everything in his human being was saying like let this cup pass from me and yet that act of the will like not my will but thine be done like that's like that is an incredibly manly thing right there and that's the essence of virtue is in the will not in the feeling life um so just just see these as as opportunities and not just obstacles the devil would love for you to see them is obstacles that are just frustrating you on the path yeah. to holiness. Like, no, they're, they're, they steps ascending you. now. It's a Jacob's ladder of like temptations, mm-hmm. right? Like everyone you overcome,
1: you've climbed another rung. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. Devin, I'm interested in your thoughts.
0: Yeah. Well, It's very important to understand like the, where the devil is going to press us. And I want to get to how he works and what his voice sounds like so that we can help not only ourselves, but, you know, the men out there to really discern who he is and his voice and when you're hearing it. Uh, But I think it's important to understand where he's driving us, you know, so he's going to drive us in one of two polar extreme directions. And there's levels to this, you know, the farther you get away from Jesus, Mm -hmm. but, or the anchor, which is the cross actually. Um, But on one side, so doubt is his language, right? And so what he will do in the crisis is he will come with a temptation that is rooted in doubt. Mm -hmm. Now that doubt may may cause like you see some guys who are doing things that are very risky and very they, they appear to have courage but they're not they're just foolheartedness. well <clears throat> that's not magnanimity or anything but what the guy is doing is he's testing the Lord and and so it's self-reliance. That's the polar opposite or the, pol- the one of the polarized kind of uh places that the devil is pushing us he's like you you know God's not going to give this to you. Just like Eve, God's not going to give this fruit to you. You need to do it yourself. You need to get it yourself, and then you can have it yourself. So self-reliance. And we saw what happened there. On the other side, there's this position of just surrender, giving up into slothfulness and living a life of nothing, comfort, and like I said, thumb sucking. Okay, so, and we see this all the time. Ah, it's so hard to, you know, Christ demands and it's holiness. Oh, come on. The church asks too much and blah, blah, blah. You know, but then when it comes to going to the gym, oh man, I'm doing two a days and I'm, you know, I'm not even eating any sweets and I'm like taking my protein powder. You know, it's like, doesn't make any sense. But so the devil wants to push us to those two polar extremes. In my world, in my world where I always go, when I'm pushed to either one of those is I imagine myself in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean And there's this huge cross that's in the middle of the ocean and Christ is on that cross. It's Calvary. And the waves are crashing in and he's hanging there and I am clinging to that cross and I'm looking up to him and I'm like, this looks like a failure. Mm. This looks like it's over. You have lost. But I know that there's a resurrection in this right here and I'm going to cling to this until that happens. I am not fleeing. I am not drowning. I am clinging to you because I live in hope. See, the devil, he wants to say, nope, God is going to abandon you, or he's not going to give you what you want. You need to check out, or you need to do it yourself. Nope, I am clinging to Christ. And you know what? Even if it looks like we're failing, even if it looks like it's doomsday, I know that he will prevail. I also just want to touch
2: briefly on the idea of of imagination. we can imagine terrible futures, terrible outcomes. I mean, our our brains have like an incredible capacity to generate these terrifying images of the future. (laughs) And I see this with my kids even. My one son is like, he's a little melancholic and has like this pessimism about him. And like some of the (laughs) images he creates of like, you know, absolute failure. It's almost like hilarious because it's like so dramatic. But, like, his mind is just, just like constantly churning out these images. And my mm-hmm. wife, too, you know, she's like prone to anxiety, like a lot of women. But, like, she describes these things where it's like we're driving down the highway and she's like imagining our tire going flat, like exploding and, like, you know, the van careening into, like, you know, like, honey, like, where is this coming from? Like, everything is fine. Like, and, and so it's just, it's just, uh, our brains have an incredible capacity. And that the devil can capitalize on that. He's like, oh, oh yeah, let's, let's churn out these images. Let's turn out mm-hmm. these images of humiliation, failure, mm-hmm. defeat, like, wouldn't that be miserable, you know? And, and before you know it, we believe it. And our brain and body start responding and our soul like start responding as if those imagined futures are real. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see this with like St. Anthony, you know, we, we keep invoking him, but it, you know, it's just feast day, but like, a lot of the temptations that he experienced were imaginative. You know, he even talks about like these, these beasts and things that he would see, but also like women like dancing seductively and like all of these, like his imagination was going wild, you know? Um, But just know that that can like feed your will information. Oh yeah, this is real. This is going to be the outcome. So might as well just give in like, you might as well just, Take the easy road you know Um, so just know that that imaginative capacity that we have can really do us in and derail us from the road of virtue if we allow these images if we don't see them as what they are literally just phantasms and just like
0: illusions like they can they can convince us that they're real this is very important the six d's of the devil the six darts of the devil the devil he begins with the seed of doubt, but that doubt, that, that second dart, if you will, that second D, doubt leads to discouragement, always. God wants you to be courageous. God instills hope to make you courageous, full of fortitude, so that you become a manifestation of God's glory. The devil, he wants to instill doubt, particularly at times of these sufferings, so that you, you become very discouraged. And in that discouragement, that leads to deprecation, self-deprecation, especially because you feel like you're a wimp. You're giving up and, oh, I hate myself and I hate my life. And why did God make me this way? And that deprecation, if it is not checked, will then lead to the fourth dart or the fourth D, which is disobedience because we need to offset these bad feelings we're having about ourselves. We need to make ourselves feel better. So then we do something stupid. I want to feel like a man. So I look at a woman who won't say no you know, or I'm going to cheat on my taxes just to get a little bit more money here or whatever it is. is. We'll, we'll, And then after the discouragement and we're feeling a little bit better about ourselves because we've gained something, then the devil is right there to rub our noses in our sinful poop and say, see, you did it again. You're worthless. You're pathetic. You think God's going to forgive you? No way. You're a loser. And that's where the despair sets in. And that despair, if it isn't handled, will lead to death. Spiritual death, sometimes physical death. But all I'm saying is it begins with doubt and that discouragement, that second step. If you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling sadness, spiritual sadness, or spiritual depression, those are all signs of the devil for sure. And you you have the will to fight against it. And that's been the story of my life. I've had to exercise my will to fight against the discouragement and the doubts. I want to just
2: jump in real quick, if I could, and, and just say like discouragement. If you look at the the root words of that, it means literally to be without heart. Yes. Uh, and and that's that's the devil loves that. He wants us like you know the the disciples in the boat. Obviously, there's that incredible story of of Jesus walking on water and everything. But like the others, there's another story of Jesus sleeping in the boat. You know, and there's these huge <laughs> waves. And and this is exactly what you're describing Devin I think is like Lord don't you care how can you possibly be asleep in the middle of this storm like first of all like sleeping in the middle of a storm on the sea of Galilee like that's that's pretty crazy in and of itself but more than that like don't you care like you're ignoring us like we're about to die here and you're you're taking a nap like th- this is insane like what what is going on here and and it's that discouragement it's to be with it without heart they looked at those waves and they're like we're going to die like it's over
1: you know and and we're we're going to die and it was aquinas and i know i did just read this in peter crape's book <laughs> on uh on uh, on i think he said the the satan made me do it uh section on like understanding aquinas you know that we can't just cry. Satan made me do it all the time because we have our own free will. But the point is, is how yeah. Satan is uh, going to a- attempt us, right? So he can't um, he can't force us to sin. Right? Say so can't he can't uh, compel us to sin or force us to sin. No one or nothing can actually force us or compel us to sin. Um that has to be an act of our will. Um, Devin, you look uh like that there's a misstatement and I would no, happy for not you. Not at all. Oh, not good. At all. No, no, man. Sure. My my mind is okay, going, man. Um, my
0: mind no, you're spot on. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, that's that's a, wow. That's a, if,
1: if, if we can open that up. Just <laughs> remember he's cold, John. He's
0: really cold, so he looks frozen. I'm cold hearted, John. I'm really upset right now. Yeah. No, if we no, need no, a no.
1: heresy stamp on something I say, <laughs> you all always have my <laughs> approval. Um. And so, and so that being said, going back into this. So what Satan does is he tempts us in our imagination, right? And as Aquinas says, he can't, um, he can't put thoughts into our imagination that we ourselves have never seen. So a blind man, I think that's exactly example, a blind man uh, can't see color or imagine color if he's been mm-hmm. blind his whole life. But but I think this is why it's so important for men not to look at pornography. Like even if the grace of forgetfulness is there and that you are praying for that, right? When those images are placed in our mind, then all sorts of extra images can now be imagined, even if they're not something that you saw previously. And so Satan also plays the long game. I think this is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Is that um, I can't remember who said it but I w- I was reading or listening um a uh, oh, couple years ago that basically Satan spends Satan and his demons spend the majority of their time strategizing not necessarily tempting us every single moment throughout the day right they are strategizing how to get us the best, the most efficiently, the deepest, into these despairs, into these Ds. And so with that, we have to remember that Satan is going to tempt us in our imagination. And one thing that I just like to bring up, because it's an example, uh, there uh, I'd love for you guys to bring up the central examples, but I, I want to bring up the example of... Um, our bosses and our, indeed, the the authority figures over us, right? And just as an example here, because I was reading in a workplace uh, magazine uh, that there was a study done a few years ago that stated that 65%, 75% of individuals say that the worst part of their job is their boss and 65% of those individuals said that they would give up a raise or any sort of salary increase, which is a raise, um, to see their boss fired, to get his comeuppance, right? That 65% despise that authority figure in their lives so much that that they would do that. So I I think this is maybe an example that could be – Uh, uh, understood by by the majority of our listeners here. And it's going to be something like this, that a question comes to your department that only your boss can answer. And you take a look at it and you immediately imagine yourself answering that question. And then you kind of let it go. And you push it off, you pass it over to your boss, just as, as um, you're supposed to do, and your boss answers it. And if Satan saw that in that moment of imagining, imagining you, you had a certain degree of pride and a certain degree of um, excitement at the thought of you being the one to answer it, he's definitely going to come back to it. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not in a couple of weeks, but you know, before long, he's going to come back to it and he's going to drop that the next time something like this comes across your desk and your department and your boss needs to answer it. And then now couple that with the fact that your boss doesn't answer it the way that you would. And now immediately your appetites are starting to get... charged right and this goes into that second point of satan um now you really start ruminating on how you would answer it and then you start really getting angry maybe you sin by detraction because you are so frustrated with your boss that you need to tell your friend or if you failed like me your wife and men you be fair to say it again your wife can't fix your problems don't tell her all these woes and struggles that you have um but now you've sinned by detraction right you have um intentionally ruined the reputation of this individual that these people might know or might not know and then out of justice they can't ever um correct themselves should that be the necessity because you have just spread that um that sin to others that being said that sin can then now we go into these darts um can continue to to drive and continue to go and maybe we fall into justification well you know what it was wrong, right? He he was ignorant, he was foolish, he ruined our company's bottom line. Um, and the next time something comes, maybe you try and usurp that authority and you just try and answer that question yourself, right? So this can go on for a year, two years, right? It's not something that's just gonna happen overnight, but but those imaginations and those appetites is exactly how Satan is going to tempt us and, and get us stirred up. So, Devin, I would like to hear you mm-hmm. um talk a little bit about imagination and appetites, uh, and how Satan mm-hmm. will use those to to bring us down. I think it's incredibly important for us to talk about being battle ready uh within mm-hmm. this uh within this talk. You know, we We've got uh, imagination appetite. We've got the effect of the will. We've got the six Ds that um, <laughs> that uh, Devin brought up, um, and I think it's it's so important to, to remember these things. But I want to make sure in this episode that we have time to talk about being battle ready. And and uh, I you know the not too long ago is the first time I really ever thought about having custody of the imagination, right? And it seems so appropriate to to talk about in this because. The imagination can also be, I know we're talking about, um, you know, things of, of lust and, um, and pride and stuff like that. But I remember reading, uh, I think it was Father Kajutan on, on his humility of heart. And he discusses not imagining what you would do in a situation that required heroic virtue and I actually never really fully grappled with that until um, learning deeper about spiritual warfare and these sort of things, is because it didn't seem to me so bad to think about, hey, if this situation was happening with one of my children, and someone came into my house or something along that line you actually like start imagining that situation and uh, as horrible as it could be and what you could what you would have done what you would do should you be in that situation and he uh he pushes against it and says that this is this is sinful and that this can be prideful and i can think of um you know seeing $300 million on Powerball. And immediately I'm like, what would I do with that money? Oh, I'd give away so much to the poor. I'd help my church. I'd do all these things. And you start thinking about how lavishly generous you would be uh, with that money for the good. Uh, when in actuality, you would probably, you know, give one here, take two here. Give one here, take two here, right? Because because we are um, we are weak. And um, and so I just wanted to talk about that. And, and anytime your imagination starts going into this state of, Um, really daydreaming and things like that, it's good to just bring it back to prayer. And it's good to immediately offer up a prayer where you're something along the lines of, you know, Lord, God willing, I'm never in that situation, but should I be... Please grant me the virtue and grant me the holiness to handle and to respond as you would have me respond and kind of leave it as that. And I think that uh, it's something really good for our listeners to myself included, just to reflect on. But uh, Devin, love to hear your thoughts on other important things uh, that we need to be doing to be battle ready.
0: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Um, I think that like back to the foundational principle, though, is that the devil is the primary. He's the primary cause, but he's the indirect cause. Mm-hmm. We are the we are the secondary cause, but we're the direct cause of sin, okay? So that's very important, that's where that will, you guys are both talking about that, that's where the will comes in. So I think the key here is this, we've gotta exercise the will, and that will is born from our intellect. I mean, the will is separate, but what I'm saying is how we think is how we act. And so we really need to put on the mind of Christ. This is very important, we hear this all the time. Put on the mind of Christ. That's Romans 8, 6 and Philippians chapter 2. Put on the mind of Christ. But what does that mean? Jesus never speaks doubt, failure, shame. You can't do it. You're a failure. You're a loser. No, he never talks like that. He always talks like all things are possible for the one who believes, right? He's always encouraging hopeful He's leading us to the great place, the next place, the next step. He's always leading us there. So I think that we have to recognize that insanity is believing a lie and living a lie until that lie becomes your reality. Mm. That's insanity. Insanity is believing a lie and living a lie until that lie becomes your reality. So our warfare, as uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, our warfare is not with flesh and blood but it's powerful for the destruction of strongholds. And we have to understand that the devil wants to make us a stronghold. Like in Lord of the Rings, Asgiliath was Sauron's stronghold to be able to attack Minas Minas Tirith, right? Yeah. God wants, the devil wants to make us his stronghold. So from out of us spews evil to get the people around us. So we have to, there's several steps to be battle ready so that we don't become the devil's stronghold, but we become God's stronghold. And the first one is we've got to be aware recognize the feelings like, Sam, I love that idea of the atmosphere and the storm that is upon you. I I believe that. I I love what you're saying there. Recognize that those feelings that are running through your soul that are conditioning you. And a lot of times they're not you, but they're influencing you. And so you got to make that distinction. So be aware of what you're feeling because what you're feeling will, in a sense, determine how you think. So, so first is just to be aware, this is all Ignatius of Loyola. Second is discern the feeling's origin. But 2 Corinthians 10, 5, St. Paul tells us, hold every thought captive. So if you have a thought that you're like, man, this is feeling, you know, I, I'm not sure about this. Don't let it pass. Determine its origin. Is it from God or the evil spirits? If I'm in a state of grace, is it gnawing, biting? Is it, is it? coaxing me to spiritual defeatism, sadness, apathy, that's all from the devil. So so we've got to write, be aware, then hold every thought captive. That's the second step. Hold every thought captive. Discern what you're thinking and feeling. Then the sec- the third step is test everything and retain what is true. True. That's St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, test everything, retain what's true. True. So if it's from the devil... St. Ignatius uses the Spanish term, lançar launch it, throw it as far away from you as you can, renounce it in the name of Jesus Christ, because the name of Jesus Christ has power to expel demons. I renounce this. I renounce the spirit of doubt. I renounce the spirit of discouragement. But then on the other side, retain what's true. In the name of Jesus Christ, I claim the virtue of hope. In the name of Jesus Christ, I claim the virtue of courage. In the name of Jesus Christ, I, I, I claim the, you know, the virtue of love. Whatever it is, you claim it, okay? And then fourth, I, this is where it gets very practical. It gets outside of your mind and outside of this, but the three Cs, go to confession and confess your doubts. Receive holy communion and have the God man in you so that you can become, because the essence of a son of God is trust. So you regain that trust through frequent communions with our Lord, receiving his body into yours. And then the third C is counsel. Seek wisdom and outside voice from people who will tell you about your situation. And St. Ignatius says, when you do those things, consolation will return. Awesome. Yeah, I
2: absolutely. And I think one of the things that, I want to highlight from what you're saying Devin is if I could rephrase it in my own words, it's step into your dignity as Mm. a son of God. Mm. Like we should be warriors of light. Like we should Mm. be warriors for the good. (laughs) Devil would love for us to be cowering in a corner, you know, like uh, just hiding in the trenches. Like, Oh, you know, defeated. He would love that. But like, you are a son of God. You know, the scripture, the script, uh, New Testament tells us, I can't remember exactly where, so I'm not even going to try, but like uh, that, that Christ was the firstborn of many brethren. Hebrews. Like you almost have like that same royal dignity that Christ did. Like he wants to share that with you. And he says, you are a son of God, just as I am. Step into that dignity. St. John Chrysostom has this amazing quote. The Eucharist is a fire that inflames us, that like lions breathing fire, we may retire from the altar being made terrible to the devil. (laughs) Like, just think about that image of like just this, this fiery lion, just like, instead of be running from the devil, the devil's running from you. Mm -hmm. Like, how amazing would that be? And that's exactly what the devil is terrified of. He doesn't want you to realize who you are in Christ. Mm. He doesn't want you to realize that you are a son of God. No, put on that armor mm. that 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 spiritual armor that St. Paul talks about. Put on that shield of faith, that helmet of salvation and go after the devil. Don't don't keep running from him. Like you step into that royal dignity mm. and and you start you start going after evil instead of just hiding and trying to keep yourself safe, you know? And, and yes, with humility, of course we know what we are. We know that we're, we're frail. And, but also like we have that royalty. Christ lives in us. The Holy spirit lives in us. Like we, there is a power that God has given us and the devil doesn't want us to acknowledge it. Last thing I'll say is spiritual weapons, rosary, Jesus prayer, like I love the Jesus prayer because it's so simple and so short. Anytime those imaginations or those things, those thoughts pop into my mind that are trying to deceive me, lead me astray, immediately I answer them with, Lord Jesus Christ, have mm-hmm. mercy on me. And they go away, like every time they're immediately met with that. And it like paralyzes that imagination in mid mid playback or whatever. And it just kind of vanishes. And I would strongly encourage you, like, use these spiritual weapons uh, to combat these thoughts. Um, and again, like, you've got that sword, that sword of the spirit, you know, the, the, you've got weapons at your disposal. Stop
1: being on the run and start going on the offensive to finish this uh, episode here and this conversation is that, man, we can't do this alone. Um, You want to have clarity in the fight. You want to be able to put on that armor effectively. You want to be on the offense. Uh, Like Sam was saying, you want to be able to stand strong and fortified in the storm of your life and in the temptations that you face. Consecrate yourselves to Our Lady. Learn, as St. Maximilian Kolbe said, every day your goal is to grow more and more in love and attune to the Immaculata and therefore victory will be assured. And so I just want to finish it with that comment um, because it is something that we can't forget. And if you've been on the edge about whether you should consecrate yourselves, there at, Saint, at Catholic Gentleman Plus, it's like the first thing we do, and we even send you a little prayer card for annual subscriptions to uh, the simple St. Maximilian and Colby consecration. You don't have to go through the full 33 days, although I strongly encourage that, but, um, but put on Our Lady's mantle and become one with her um, for victory. Well, man, now we come to a great part of the episode where we get to answer one of your questions. So before I play the question, if you uh, like what you heard and you want to go deeper into that episode and into that topic, head over to catholicgentlemanplus.com where the full extended edition as well as all of our monthly sessions are coming out and you can support the Catholic Gentleman. We'd be grateful. So the question for today is about basically feeling inadequate. And so we've got a great question from a listener, and I'm going to play it right now.
0: I hate to admit it, but when I'm around other men, especially men's groups, I feel inadequate, like I don't measure up. Do you have any practical advice for how to overcome this?
1: Yeah, I think this is such a great question, and this the idea of feeling inadequate around other men. And, you know, I can think that this is one of the one of the common pitfalls that I have heard about from men doing Exodus 90 is that they're finally, for the first time in their lives, getting into a fraternity of like-minded men who are striving for holiness, thanks be to God. And um, But at the same time, they might be coming uh, against or with other men who are further along in their spiritual maturity. And immediately they think, wow, I can't do that. I can't live up to it, right? And I kind of always think about this sort of white knuckling approach to our spirituality, which is very contrary to grace. This idea that we must do it ourselves and get through it ourselves. And that can honestly be flared up when we are with other men that seem to have it all together, at least on the surface. And so I think this is such a great question, and I really appreciate your honesty and in bringing it up because it's something that I believe we've all experienced uh, this certain insecurity around other men. It Doesn't matter whether you're short or you're tall, or whether you you know are really great at the athletics or you're you know phenomenal at um, you know academics and and your your head knowledge you go up against other men and there's this feeling of comparison that we fall into. And I know it, you compare, you despair. And so I guess before I go any further, I'd really love just to chat with you, Devin, a little bit about what are the roots of this nature of insecurity and this sort of comparison within the hearts of men that um, that we often run into?
0: The insecurity generally comes from, well, it it does come from a lack of security in our identity and who we are that God has created us to be for him and for ourselves. It's all about sonship. It's all about our identity as sons and it's our mission. And so when we lose, see the whole thing comes down to this. Know your worth, man. Know your worth, man. You are worth so much. God has has proven this over and over, not just by giving you so many things and providing for your life, but he's giving you his son right? So like, know your worth, know your value. God is willing to die for you. He has died for you. He's willing to give you whatever you need. So I think the first thing is, is just, you got to know your value. You got to know your worth. If you don't know your worth, then that's where the homework has to be done. And the place for that homework is in daily meditation prayer, where you just go to God with that request. And I think one thing that, so I just had a checkered past, had a lot of wounds, had a really tough childhood, got beat up a lot. Mm. <laughs> you know, all that when I was younger. Then I decided I'm not getting beat up again. And I I went the opposite direction. And And I think that those insecurities, they just lay dormant sometimes. And then it's these situations where like, I hear it all the time. When the guys would come to the Father St. Joseph group, we'd have 60 guys there and guys would stop coming. I said, why'd you stop coming? Because I don't have it together like those guys. Mm because those guys, they're holy, I'm not. You know what? This is a problem. You can never, ever compare your insides to someone else's outsides. Because you see the world through your inside, through your interior life. You know yourself or you should know yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't know their interior life. A lot of guys look like they got it all together, but it's all a farce because they have to do that to live with themselves because they know they don't have it together. So they dress a certain way and act a certain way and posture and all that. And meanwhile, you feel bad because they look like they got it all together, but you know yourself that you don't. Guess what? Nobody has it together. No one everybody struggles everybody's got their their blind spots everybody's got problems in their engine that's why jesus came and became man and saved us from our sin this is what so bottom line well i want to just on that christ did not come for the righteous he came for the sinner. so the first step you have the step in the right direction as an insecure man or a man who lacks confidence is that you're in that world right there. You know, he's come for you. You've got a leg up on all the other people who think that they're righteous. So that's the first thing. Use your insecurity and your inferiority to your advantage and say, okay, Lord, I need you. That's the first step. Second thing is to realize that God knew what he was doing when he made you. And this is so important People don't really think about this, but there was a point in eternity, if you can even call it that, that the thought of you, God thought of you, and that thought of you delighted him so much that he willed you into existence. Why? Because he wants you to be a slave? No, because he wants you to receive his glory. And that glory can shine through the weakest vessels. And in fact, it often does. The greatest saints are often the weakest vessels. I think of Saint Bisset, The man couldn't even become a priest. He was ill. He was sick. But that man ended up healing tens of thousands of people because he knew his weakness. That's the step. You know your weakness. You know your humiliation. That way you can grow in humility. God can do anything through you. And that's your worth. You're a son of God. So that's the first step is just acknowledging your need before God and let him in. And then the second step I think is start being thankful. Make your litany of thanksgiving. Every day when you go to prayer, have like three things that you're thanking God or 10 things or whatever. Make your litany of thanksgiving to God. Thank you for this. But one thing I've started doing a while back that I noticed I never thanked God for. There were two things. I thank God for my life and for my house and for my wife and for my kids. But these two things i never thanked him for. And the first one was for him. And the second one was for me. Not my life, but me. My humanity, the spirit living in me, my kingship, just who I am, me. And when I started doing that, boom, that's when things started to change. Because then I was allowing God to operate in me to create me who he wanted me to be. And that's when I stopped looking at the other guys and saying, oh, I need to be like him or like that. No, God had me on my own path, right? And it doesn't mean I'm not tempted at times and feel bad at times when I see someone succeeding and I'm not in that area, but I know my worth and I'm thankful.
1: Anyway, I've talked way too much. I think but. that's great. No, and I think that we can start by saying, praise God for your insecurities, right? Because they can be that opportunity for growth, right? And Amen. humility is the foundation of all virtues. And so if we can see it like this and we can embrace that um, that insecurity, it can be something that God can work with. And I agree completely. When I was looking at this, um, my insecurities go in overdrive when my rule of life is um, all kind of in shambles, right? Mm-hmm. And so by that, I mean when I'm not waking up early enough to uh, get my mental prayer in and have my time with God, immediately, it's like within a day or even that same day, I start feeling Un- unwell within me. I start feeling this unrest. When mm. I'm not taking care of my health, when I am uh, not eating or maybe drinking alcohol too much or not eating healthy enough or not working out, that causes me to interiorly feel, uh. and in doing so, I lose confidence. And so when you're in that state of of lacking a certain degree of confidence. Now, again, and I love what Devin, you were just saying that it can't be confidence here in your own abilities. It has to be confidence in Christ. It has to be confidence in your role as a son of God. And I think yeah. that this is so good. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because we can't white knuckle our way. I said it earlier in the episode, white knuckle our way to heaven. That's not what we're called to do. Right. Mm. And I, uh, we were, we were called by God uh, you know, beloved and in whom he's well-pleased because of who we are. Not because mm-hmm. what we've done or what we accomplish or how we compare to the next guy or to the saints before us, but mm-hmm. because of <laughs> Especially our- Especially that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but because of our mere existence. And so, um, which I love what you stated, Devin, that, you know, God who lives in eternity, right? And and for lack of better words, as you just stated, um, he He thought of you, in eternity, and it delighted him, and he created you. Now, I know that we're getting a little off the path of answering this question. But really, that's where it's all rooted, right? It's rooted in that understanding. And so when we can double down, triple down, quadruple down of living in the presence with God and practicing, you know, holiness, that which you give your time to is that which you become. And if you're not giving your time over to Christ, you're not giving your time over to God, you're going to become moved by the temptations and the identities of this world, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so when you place your identity in, am I a better sport? individual or am I stronger or am I, do I have a bigger family even right now? That's another conversation. Jay, but, <laughs> but if, but if you put yeah. yourself into these, this sort of roles, you're, oh, you're never going to measure up. And then it becomes, you know, um, despair. It becomes uh, debilitating. It becomes doubt again, because we've lost our focus. We've allowed ourselves to get derailed from the path of God's will in our lives and from the devotion um, in our spiritual practices that we should be committed to. Uh, That's awesome, and I
0: think the key word that you had mentioned earlier was confidence, and in in the Latin confide, it means with faith, and that faith isn't in yourself. That faith is in God, and this is the key. I love what you just said about looking to that guy or that guy, the sports guy, or the financial guy, the, the guys who got it all together in these categories, and then we think, oh, they're so big or they're so large in that area, and we're so small you wanna develop confide, with faith, confidence in yourself, confidence in God, this is how you do it. Not by going big, not by comparing to the big ones, you start small, you go way small. So like if you haven't exercised in two years, do 10 pushups, five push push-ups, even one push-up. just do something, you know? If you haven't prayed in like two years, like I'm talking like silent prayer, don't go for it and try to do an hour, two minutes, just give God two minutes. Begin so small, and it's so humiliating, humiliating, but this is the key. You have faith that God can do something with that two minutes, with mm. that push up, with whatever it is that's so small, because we know this that great lives are built on many, many, many small decisions, not on big decisions, many small decisions. If I am trying to get to You know, Europe, or I'm, you know, and I'm floating in a sailboat across the Atlantic Ocean. If my rudder is off just one or two degrees, I could end up in Africa. You know, I could end up in the wrong continent. All I have to do is adjust that rudder just a little bit, one degree, two degree, and I'm back on course. That's the spiritual life. You want to be a man? Find out where all the areas are that you feel like you're not a man, that you don't have confidence. Go to God with that and say, Confide with faith, I am going to start working little by little in these areas. And I'm telling you what, you will see a life transform and you'll be confident because you'll start to see God working in all that, making you the man that you're called and destined to be. I love it.
1: Wait, this is another episode. We could keep on going on this. (laughs) I'm so grateful. So thank you, Devin. Um, And so now's the time of the episode where we talk about putting on the new man. So today I came up with the putting on the new man. And it's not going to be hard, um, but it is going to require work. And so by that, it means um, I want you to go to confession this week. I, uh, all the exorcists state, and I remember the first time Father Thomas Heidenauer, um, uh, in mm. one of his books on Church Milton, he talked about the fact that there is not a greater prayer in the church for causing the demons to flee than the prayer of absolution said in confession. Mm. And, um, and so I think, um, I think that it's so incredibly important for us men to go to confession uh, frequently, often. Uh, I I encourage those that talk to me every other week, you know, and if you are going to go to confession and put on the new man, you have to do an examination of conscience the night before. So that's the second part of this, right? Don't just hope that there's a long line for confession for you to actually get your, your examination in because inevitably you're going to miss the mark. Inevitably you're going to uh, get on your knees. This has happened to me many times, right? So I'm speaking from experience and, um, And so I encourage you and putting on the new man this week in line uh, with our themes of this episode is to humble yourself, to give a good and holy confession, asking our lady to guide you to to make your heart one that will not be spurned, that your guardian angel can assist you and do that examination of conscience and go to confession this week. Be brutally honest.
0: Convict yourself convict yourself before the Lord and the
1: Lord will grant you conversion. Well, as we end each of our episodes. Be a man, be a saint.